I, I'd love oh, to man. just like kind of like dive right into it and have you introduce yourself. Like, tell me a little bit about you. Give me a little bit about, about your backstory and uh, like up to what you're doing now. Uh, and then I want to ask some kind of tactical, tactical questions about um, what it's like to run a company. Sure. Let's do this. So I'm David. Um, my job is general manager of AppSumo Originals. And what that specifically looks like is we're a product business. So we create different products to try to get more people inside the AppSumo ecosystem and really to just create great products that entrepreneurs and content creators love to use. So that's our primary focus. And we look at competitors who are creating maybe more complex products that we can create simpler versions of. A lot of it's created from our own need. And before that, I was a head of email marketing at Student Loan Hero, which was a fintech company, sold to LendingTree for $60 million in cash. And I've also done a lot of consulting with startups and small businesses in the SaaS space, CPG space, and all around. And it has been quite a journey, I think, as every entrepreneur will, will gladly share the ups and downs of trying to create things that work, and most of them don't. <laughs> I want to dig into the things that don't work and how you decide about what to do. Um, so mm. maybe if you could kind of unpack um, what being a general manager means and uh, how is that different mm. from uh, a CEO or, uh, and, and where, you know, kind of where does your purview lie? So I'll answer, I'll answer the question that's easier first of what a general manager does, although it shifts so much, maybe that isn't the easier place to start. So I think being a general manager is really interesting because the purview of a general manager is to oversee the day-to-day -day operations of a business. So in our case, I oversee entire profit and loss for our, our 10, 11 person company does about $3 million a year in revenue. When I think of a CEO, I think of someone who's more strategically high level. So who steps back and is a little less involved in the day-to-day. -day. What I do think is fascinating though in tech is there are so many different titles and so many different names and so many different things we call ourselves and call each other. So my advice to startups and to people who are looking for a job is try to just find what you really like to do and then create a title around that. And that's so much simpler said than done. But I think there is a weird obsession that we take away from these archaic like Fortune 1000 companies with 45,000 employees that's like, hey, you're a VP, and then you're an SVP, and then you're an EVP, and then you're a president, and then you're this, and then you're that. Um, and we notice in tech, titles are a lot more fluid. Yeah, I have found the only way to do that is to find all the things that you hate doing and just keep avoiding them. <laughs> Eventually, you <laughs> stumble into something that you're like, oh, I could, I, I didn't fail at this thing, uh, and I didn't hate it. So <laughs> I guess this is what I'm going to do. Right. Okay. And with general manager, it's interesting, man, because I'll tell you, like a lot of restaurants have general managers, a lot of gyms have general managers. And the purview of a, a GM at a restaurant or a, a gym is a little different than what a tech GM does. So the, the narrowing down based on what we don't like to do is actually really great business advice, Jordan. I really like that question and that thought. It's a good way to think about business and our careers. So you can't tell me which pasta I should order because you do not <laughs> deal with any of the GM of restaurants. I want, <laughs> right. to, I want to kind of dive into how you choose, you, know, you talk about competitors and that you'll look at what competitors are doing to create a simpler version of something. How do you figure out which products to build? And more importantly, which products that like, like talk to me about the products that get to the 90 yard line and that you're like, no, yeah. we can't, we shouldn't build that. Oh boy, we have so many. 
So I think what Amazon is doing right now is really fascinating. And I think what Netflix is doing right now is really fascinating. And from the outside in observationally, I think there's a lot of great lessons for business leaders and want to be entrepreneurs to learn. And one of the things I noticed Amazon doing with their Amazon basics line is creating all these simplified products and owning the entire end-to-end process. So they control 100% of the revenue. They understand the data on what sells on their platform. So they're able to make database decisions. And they've ex- expanded that Amazon basics line pretty exponentially over time. And Netflix is really interesting too, because their push seems to be, we will create tons of content at any cost as much as we possibly can. So the amount of originals content that they're creating under the Netflix and originals umbrella is probably like 10x what Disney is doing, probably 10x what HBO Max is doing. They're just going for the volume game. And I think there are two synergies with that, with how we think about our business at AppSumo Originals. So we do have data and understanding on, at this point, 4,000 plus deals that have launched on AppSumo over 10 years. And we're able to understand what products perform pretty well. And we're able to understand what are their concerns. And we're able to understand where the opportunity lies. So I think data is part of the decision. But I also think if we just created products that were based on the data, that'd be a pretty soulless business. <laughs> it'd be pretty, pretty sad. And I also think it'd be morally questionable to just try to bankrupt products that were just like, yeah, let's just go after this because the finances are good. So there's also this yin and yang process that's involved with our product making decision. And with TidyCal, a product that launched this year under the AppSumo umbrella, under the Originals umbrella specifically, as well as Sleek Bio, as well as Email Badge, our most recent product, there was a big portion of us creating those products because we internally wanted better solutions for ourselves. So for TidyCal, I was sick of using Calendly, so confused by the features, didn't want to pay for the excessive features that cost tons of money every month for just a booking tool. It was insane to me. And I wanted to create this product to bring it to myself and use myself and then bring it to the larger market. And that's what we've done with our other originals as well since then. And how do you think about not complicating your products? Because I I feel like the length of, you know, it's like if you go into Google ads today, there's no way that any regular human can understand what the hell is going on, right? There's just like- (laughs) there's like thousands of features. So I always thought that'd be a great thing to make like Google ads 1.0. It's like enter in a text field, enter in a description field, like pay. Um, So how do you think about your products evolving over time, um, but not becoming this sort of uh, bloated experience where you're charging for things that people don't need and you're building things that people might not need? Hmm. One of our our product mantras and one of the things that I've really enjoyed about making products historically in my career is the thought that the the best form of perfection or perfection in general is ultimately achieved not when there's nothing left to add, but when there's nothing left to remove. I've always used that as a North Star for product creation. And I think an easy answer for a lot of us in our careers, and so many people listening to this probably understand it, where conceptually, it's like, oh, we need to solve this issue. Let's hop on a meeting. Let's do this. Let's add this feature. Let's add more complication. Let's add more options. It's very hard to look at something and say, what does it not need? What can we remove? Because then we have to have some challenging conversations that are sometimes uncomfortable to have because we're having to say no to things. So when we look at creating the products, usually 
there's one to two things that we really try to, to nail down feature set wise. So for TidyCal, we really wanted to make an elegant solution to booking and for people to understand who was booking with them. So on both ends of the spectrum, the recipient and the booker. For Sleek Bio, we wanted to really nail down analytics because we thought it was really important for people to have this Linktree-like product that had very clear analytics and also very easy ways to surface and showcase content. With email badge, we wanted to make it very simple for people to actually create a signature because other options out there like Scribe or Ystamp had very confusing editors that, were, that, in my opinion, were very bloated. So every product we think about, when we identify the product, we start to think about what are the real key features, that Pareto principle and effect that we can really, really nail down to make sure that we're covering 80% of our bases. And we notice that with a lot of existing products out there, they have the core, and then they just tack on a bunch of stuff, which adds to a ton of confusion and is really not widely used. Um, that kind of dovetails into uh, another question I had here, because you're, you're building these products, you're making them very simple, you're taking these kind of key features, um, but there are a lot of calendar scheduling tools. So how do you think yeah. about marketing TidyCal, for example, uh, or, or what is the kind of path to go to market? Because you solve something for yourself, but that doesn't mean you've got a good distribution channel, but you work at a company that is all distribution channels. So like, <laughs> like right. talk to me about that and how you think about marketing your stuff. We, we are lucky to have this $100 million behemoth kind of, kind of pushing our products. And I, I don't shy away from that, that a lot of our marketing is because we're part of a larger organization. And really, I think there's an element of importance to just utilizing the channels we have. So it'd be stupid of us not to use AppSumo proper because there's such a massive reach. When I think about how we market outside of that, a lot of sales, and, and you know this really well, Jordan, because you do a lot of this, a lot of sales is like direct one-to-one -one outreach. So everyone, I remember the co-founder of, of AppSumo, this amazing person who's now the CTO, Chad Boyda, everyone, he says, worries about scale before they even have like a product market fit. And his point was, if we can only be so lucky that scale becomes an issue. And what that drove home in me, and we did this with SendFox, one of our other original products that we launched about two and a half years ago, an alternative to MailChimp and is now a seven-figure product, we really honed in on how can we go to people who need a newsletter, who are already using MailChimp, and just do one-to-one -one direct sales to get this thing off the ground. So for like three or four months, I was booked every day just doing demos with tons of people who were friends of the business, my friends, people that had received um, like an invite to SendFox from a friend of a friend, people who had sent me email newsletters that I responded to, and I said, hey, we built a better solution. It was a very, very ghetto experience. <laughs> and I think there's like this, this perception that we become an entrepreneur, we launch this product and everything takes off. And there is some truth to that. I think really good products do rise to the top. I think the cream of the crop really does rise to the top. But I also think a lot of products need a push. And a lot of that push isn't like, oh, I'm just going to post on Twitter and hope I reach this audience at large a lot of it in the early days, the less glamorous part that's not really publicly talked about by entrepreneurs and successful companies 
is like 10 to 12 hour days of just doing the same stuff every single day, getting denied a bunch. And then eventually three months later, you, you start to build enough momentum that those initial sales start to add up. And how does that look like in like, like with a product like tidy cow, like what did you do? Did you do a uh, direct outreach? Did your team do that? Is that part of the sort of birthing of a product that you have a sales motion that's baked in? Um, what does that look like? I mean, tactically, what does that look like? Yep. So we have a launch plan for every single product we launch. And part of that is utilizing AppSumo's channels, but part of it is also just basic things and putting it into a spreadsheet and saying, Hey, we want to launch on product hunt and we want to post on indie hackers and we want to post on growth mentor. And we want to message five influencers in the sphere and try to get them some type of affiliate agreement so that they can promote on our side. I'd say a better example than TidyCal in this case is Sleek Bio. I think it's going to be a little more clear for everyone listening. So Sleek Bio is like a Linktree opportunity, right? So the opportunity within this Linktree opportunity is uh, to go to influencers and to try to get people to put in their social media profiles. So we started thinking about segments and audiences that we could one-to-one outreach that are social media influencers. Who are those micro-influencers that have 20 to 30 to 40,000 followers on Twitter that we can start hitting up directly? Who are people that have Linktree in their profile that we could go to and say, hey, we built a simpler, less expensive Linktree? And I'll tell you, man, we even thought of like some really interesting segments, like (laughs) part part of what we were pitching hard, and we ultimately didn't do this, but we might at some point is we were like, we should just go after everyone on Twitter who has an OnlyFans and, <laughs> and reach out to all these people with OnlyFans because there's so many people that want to be influencers in this world, right? Whether it's through uh, the OnlyFans market, whether it's flu- through Patreon, whether it's through just being like a Gen Zer and seeing all the YouTube famous TikTokers, whatever. Everyone wants to be an influencer, which means there's so many opportunity to do direct one-to-one for a tool like Sleek Bio. Uh, and are you going to share your OnlyFans link here with uh, the, <laughs> right. with the list? <laughs> I uh, I've been searching for it, David. I can't uh, I can't find it yet. It's pretty hidden, man. It's under a pseudonym, so you got to look <laughs> harder. <laughs> it's a was the street you grew up on and uh, your dog's first name, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know th- this is interesting because. Um, uh, my partner is uh, is sort of a micro influencer, and when she gets, you know, she's just started to hit that level where people reach out to her, and because, uh, she, you know, she's earlier on in kind of this this journey, um, super responsive to the people that reach out. Right? It's not like you know sending an email to Kim Kardashian who has you know a trillion followers and yeah. you know is getting approached by these big brands, and so. I think that there's something to be said about finding the people that are uh, aligning with their interests, right? Their interests clearly are to, um, you know, you know, to, to be known and to um, to sort of grow their following. Uh, and not a lot of people are reaching out to them, so it's kind of this undiscovered gem of these folks that have really tight knit small communities. Um, totally. Can you walk us through, like you talked about this sort of launch plan. Can you walk us through how you think about channel selection, uh, budgets, mm-hmm. and and like when you know something is working or also like the reverse, do you ever go through one of these plans and things flop terribly and you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, why did we build a left sock uh, <laughs> finder? Like that was a bad idea. <laughs> 
How'd you know our next product? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to give right it up away. here. I know we <laughs> talked uh, privately about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I think budget can be... Uh, I So let me approach this a different way. I prefer not to use paid marketing channels as much as humanly possible. And the reason for that, at it's least in the early... Right. Yeah. The reason for that is very much like you said, it's a bit of a drug. And in the early stages of a business, I think it can make the, the waters a bit cloudy on validation. So people will just dump a bunch of money in. And the analogy I can think of is like, you have a health issue and you're just taking a bunch of supplements and I don't know, drugging yourself up. It's like, yeah, I kind of mass the issue temporarily, but it doesn't really cover, cover the larger problem. It, it's, it's a drug. Exactly. Like you said. So when we think about marketing plans, what I'm always thinking about is if the product is good, the purpose of marketing is to help boost this product into public awareness, and then the product kind of takes off on its own. And that is not like a, like a universally true rule in 100% of situations in 100% of time. I think there are revolutionary products, and I think you work on a lot of these, Jordan, that are like next level products that people don't maybe recognize now as, as like the next big thing, but for products that we work on at originals that solve specific needs. Now, I think paid marketing can be a bit of a hindrance to trying to understand what is going on with the product. So when we create this launch plan, we're looking at a few different things. One is we've done marketing a lot. So we're looking at what has historically worked for other marketing that we've done for other products. So a lot of people I notice in the entrepreneurial space, it's like we're all masochists or something, or we all want like a crazy story to tell because Everyone we wants always a hack. just- Everyone wants a hack. You know, it's like, <laughs> just give me the one hack. Like, I, look, I don't want to work out. I don't want to exercise every day. Just give me the one hack. And it's like, then I'll <laughs> <Right>. be done, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of truth to the golden, golden bullet as it were. But I also think there's a lot of masochism and just like weirdness around, oh, I got to make this hard for myself. I have to like go out and find all these new marketing channels all the time. And when we think about marketing, a lot of what we think about is double down on what works and then use the ex excess time to find new things. So when we think about marketing new products, we're thinking about what historically has worked for previous products. What are we hearing about from our friends is working very well in a similar sphere? What article did I read online saying that this is working now or someone trying this now? So we take those somewhat proven already. And we start to put together a plan around that. And then we're also thinking about some really interesting blue ocean opportunities that are a bit crazy, right? So the OnlyFans example is a great, great example of that. It's like everyone competes in this marketing red ocean. Everyone competes for the scraps of the Facebook ads and the Google AdWords where you're competing against people who spend money on Facebook every single day. But very few people are going to micro-influencers, like your partner. That was a perfect example of there's so much opportunity, but no one is approaching her. So how can we think of things that are a little outside of the normal path? How can we consistently think about testing and trying new things in addition to doing what we already know is working? And in a perfect marketing system, in a perfect marketing launch plan and post-launch plan, what we're really looking at is let's go after these marketing channels that are working. Let's keep doubling down on what's working and iterating to improve, improve, improve what's working. And then let's constantly cycle through side ideas with that 20% time, let's say, 
and think about how can we consistently try new things to add them to the either this has worked and we double down on it or just discard immediately. So we're adding to the existing pile of this is working, let's keep doing this, or we're getting rid of it so that we make space for a new experiment along the way. Can you actually dive into specifics here? Like, what are you seeing? Like, what type of, you talked about this, like OnlyFans example. Can you walk through some, like tactically here, some channels that we like, or here's how much we think about spending, like give, give some meat uh, uh, to this bone. Yeah. What's most important to take a step back is understanding the goal, right? What is the goal of my business? What is the goal of my launch? And the reason I say that's more important and the, actually the most important thing is if I don't know the direction I'm going, how do I know if I'm successful or not? How do I know if I'm accomplishing what I want or not? So when we think tactically about our marketing channels, we're also thinking very closely related to the goal and everything should cascade down from the goal. So if I use a smart methodology, which is something I recommend a lot, uh, which is being like pretty specific and, and measurable with our, our goals. I'm saying I want a thousand signups for my product within the first week of my goal. And then I know, okay, these are some of the marketing channels I need to go after. I'd say generally speaking, when I think of marketing channels that I really like right now, I think micro influencers like your partner are, are great. I think there's so many people that want to be an influencer that have engaged audiences that maybe are smaller than people have historically thought of as marketing audiences, but they work really well. I also think of affiliates. So affiliates, you help sell my product. I give you a percentage of the product, which is usually a little different than influencers where I pay a flat fee, although there is some interconnectedness there. And I also think of stuff like YouTube, just generally content on YouTube. I think that's really taking off. We've also noticed some things with TikTok influencers working really well. Um, and then a lot of it is just identifying the target market that I think would really like my product and going to them directly and trying to get them to use it. You know, I'm, uh, I'm an advisor to a company that is like, very young and young, I mean, in their thinking. And, you know, I think about this as like, <laughs> I, I think about like marketers in kind of like three buckets, right? The first bucket are the really old school marketers that have done, uh, you know, that have been around since the 1800s and do sort of traditional thing. There's like, there's like people of uh, maybe our ilk that are, you know, of like kind of understand grown up in this digital world. But the next thing is like, no one's going to pay for marketing in the future. It's just, there's going to be like, you're just mm -hmm. going to contact the guy that can eat a thousand hot dogs in 10 seconds on TikTok. He's going to, you know, print your brand on the hot dog and he's going to eat your branded hot dog. It'll be $12 <laughs> to have him do that. And it'll go insanely viral. And that's the way the marketing will work. Like, have it's you a great marketing channel? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, and you know, chatting with this founder and basically they have had their, they're very well connected on Twitter. They have a lot of investors in their company. And, um, and so they can push something to Twitter and suddenly it now has, you know, 5,000 signups in day one and they haven't even built a product. They just built a landing page. So can you talk, like, how do you, you know, you talk about like thinking about new channels. How do you figure out what's weird and how do you do the weird things? Um, and what are some weird things, like really weird things that, you know, I talk about TikTok, like what are some weird things that you've tried recently that, um, that are seeming to work or how do you incorporate that? Oh boy. God, this is such a, such an interesting thing to talk about because I don't have a great answer for how we find these weird things. 
I think a lot of stuff I think about generally with business is, am I doing things that are somewhat unconventional compared to common wisdom? So this is why I love talking to you, man, personally, the, the relationship we have personally, because there's so many people I talk to or that go online and they're like, have you heard of this guy? And I'm like, no. And then I look him up after the call and it's just like one of 30,000 standard like click funnels marketers that are just like basically all the same. Like basically everyone marketing right now for, for most intents and purposes is the same. And I think back to a lot of what I, I saw or heard when I was doing some studying of Steve Jobs and his methodology. And what I mean by that is one thing I thought was really interesting is his background in typography and calligraphy and how that made the like Mac fonts really nice. And the reason why I love that example is because how am I doing things outside of the ordinary that connect neural pathways in different ways compared to most people? So quite literally with marketing, a lot of times what we're trying to understand is we have limited attention. We have limited channels. How do we compete in those limited channels and limited attention methodologies? And that's what the red ocean marketing strategies are for a lot of people who read the same stuff. It's like, oh, let me just get better at Facebook ads. Let me just study this harder. I don't want to compete in that game. I'm trying to think, how can I read weird books that have nothing to do with marketing or business and make different neurological connections so that I'm not competing in the red ocean, I'm competing in the blue ocean. So I think this is, this is more of like a, a philosophy and an intention on just generally how I think about business and a real practical, tactical approach of, of like, how do I find these new channels? I think we're just constantly thinking and reading and looking at different things. And also we're really studying our users and talking to our users. And it really blows my mind how many people have like these huge, large user bases and they don't ask the users like, Hey, what are you reading right now? Like what blogs do you like reading? What newsletters do you like reading? Going back to what we talked about earlier with people making business harder than it is. If we build a good product, we iterate on that product, we talk to customers about what they want in the product and where they go to read about other products or where they go to learn about products, that's a lot of the equation right there. It's not all of it, but it's a lot of it. And that's what I think about with marketing as well. How can we leverage our user base and how can we leverage different thought patterns? You know, I thought it was interesting that you had talked about Amazon Basics and Netflix and my... uh my kind of understanding of those two processes are that Amazon waits for a competitor to do all that hard work. And then they, yeah. they said, oh, great, you've, you've look, there's been thousands of people that experienced thousands of products. I know that people want weird batteries or whatever. Or like, it's just like, <laughs> right. it's like, oh, it's a shredder. You know, people want a Wi-Fi shredder. That's what they need, you know? And so <laughs> I'm going to find out that there have been a hundred thousand purchases of this Wi-Fi shredder and make a copy that's half the price. And uh, and, you know, Jeff Bezos says very famously, like your margin is my opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, at Netflix, uh, I think is, the, is the kind of other way around, which is like, if there's an actor that we can pay money to show up on a camera, <laughs> let's just get them all. You know, it's like, a, it's, right. it's like, a, you know, I, we've all spent about 400 hours on Netflix and then just given up yeah. because it's like, I'll just, I can't, <laughs> I can't make a choice. <laughs> I can't keep up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I want you to talk a little bit about um, 
how you kill something uh, or, or mm. have you had to do that? Like, have you actually totally. run through this process? You've, uh, you've really understood the customers and, and it turns out that, you know, that the world really didn't need a new gizmo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the time, all the time. So there are two that really come to mind. Uh, one was a product that we were working on actually a little bit ago. We wanted to create, and I still have this idea in my mind, create like a marketing funnel simulator. And the reason why I think this is an interesting concept is because the core we try to answer at AppSumo Originals is really the why. Why would someone want this? Why would someone buy this? And for entrepreneurs and startups and small businesses, there's something to be said for us trying to figure out our marketing systems and to try to figure out a marketing funnel. So if I could put numbers into the top of the funnel and understand if I add these channels or do these things, what the end result would be, it would help me more clearly lay out my marketing system. And a lot of this is created from our own need of having a spreadsheet, but wanting something that's a little better than just a simple spreadsheet with some formulas. Here's the issue though, trying to create a product like this just didn't make much sense. Like we, we weren't able to really figure it out. And here's what's also interesting about that. It's not to say no one can figure it out. Maybe I say this right now and someone solves the issue and they create a great product and they list it on AppSumo. Great. I hope they do. Or maybe we figure it out eventually. What I, I think is important to emphasize is the right time for the right person or the right team is really critical. So our team wasn't able to figure that out. And our team is a little better, I think, at more simplistic, less like math-driven products. And this would just be like a heavily math-driven product, <laughs> just all about marketing. So that was something we held off on. We've also killed products in the past. One that we killed a couple of years ago that took us and cost us probably over a million dollars to develop wow. is a product, yeah, a product called FAM, which a lot of people might know. And this product was meant to be an automated email marketing system. Basically, you put in a URL and it auto-creates emails for you, design, copy, everything. It was very impressive, very sophisticated. But when we get down this sophistication path, and I think one of the things we learned from it a couple of years ago that we've since pulled into our originals team is like, are we building something that people actually want to use, that they actually care about using? So going back to what we mentioned earlier about the 80% solution, just hyper-focusing on what are those one to two things that people really, really care about and doing those really, really well. And then we can, we can add our own flair to it in, in ways that we want to. But we went really far down the path of like, oh, this is cool technology. It'll be super fun. People will really want it. Uh, and no one did. How, how did you, I mean, that's such a massive investment. I think, you know, I think about the opportunity yeah. cost, right? You're like, look, we've, uh, um, or the sunk cost fallacy, right? You're like, look, if we've already put a million in just, we just need another hundred thousand and we can <laughs> All right. like, so how did you know, when was that moment where you're like, I gotta, I gotta kill this. I, I like to think about the kind of the yearly patterns and just the yearly cycles. So we did this for about a year and I was, I was basically leading products for it. Um, Noah and Chad, who are the respectively, the founder and the co-founder of the company were the ones kind of championing, championing this and, and then ultimately deciding that we didn't want to do it was, was partly their decision. Uh, I think we got to the end of the year and something that, that I always think about is like when we get to November, December, and we really step back and we, we look 
at the forest for the trees as objectively as possible. How did it go? How did it go? And we're making quicker changes and iterations throughout the year, but I do like the end of the year, like December area, because everyone's slowing down. Everyone's thinking about Christmas. It allows for really deep kind of introspective thinking. And I've been part of this, this organization now for, I think, four years, probably something in that range. And every year, we've made pretty significant changes, which have ultimately led us to more success in next year, because we've, we've had to let go of, I'd say, let go of the good for the great, or even let go of the bad for the attempt at good. But every year, we're letting go of something in order to try to accomplish something better. Dang, that's a great, uh, uh, I think that's kind of a great place to sort of cap in this. Uh, I do want to fire off a bunch of my product ideas here and you tell me if Absinthe Originals uh, uh, make this product, <laughs> All right? You ready? Let's uh, do it. It's a spray for your dog's mouth to clean it so the dog can lick you. <laughs> oh, I saw this on your, uh, your <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn. So good. Dude, here's what's interesting. Okay, so let's let's talk about this one for a minute. <laughs> here's what I love about this idea when I saw this on her LinkedIn is everyone thinks they need like these huge ideas now where yeah. it's like they see Elon Musk and they're like, bro, I got to go to Venus now. I got to go <laughs> yeah, to like- Venus. What, What's bigger than Mars, guys? <laughs> Wait a minute. Pluto. <laughs> right. Like, right. And they see that. But here's what I love, man. Like I know a lot of people and I'm sure you do too. And I hear a lot of people- that I trust this information is true, that make so much money and are so successful with hyper niche targeted products. So something like that for all the dog owners out there is, is really interesting. And another thing I've heard, man, that I think is really interesting for the listeners as well. And I've always kept this in the back of my mind for future product ideas. People will spend an unlimited amount of money on their children, their wedding, and their animals. <laughs> yeah. And I think those markets are just like, you can just make a killing. Okay, we need a child wedding dog product <laughs> all yeah, in one. Exactly. <laughs> just if it can all appeal to all three of those. <laughs> right. And then I, you'll be ready for any type of pandemic because it's like <laughs> the event business with weddings is knocked out, but everyone gets an animal. So you <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You're all prepared. I got a couple more right. for you. Mini right. ciabatta sandwiches with needles that let you inject sauces into them so you don't get messy. <laughs> I love that too. I don't know. <laughs> how okay let me ask you this let's say you you had to go with that idea how would you get your first five customers what would you do uh i would just hang out at jack in the box and when people ordered anything with ciabatta on it I'd be like dude you're gonna want this <laughs> you're gonna want this see and i love that because it's exactly like we talked about Growing a business, some people would be like, oh, I get Facebook ads and I do all this. It's like, no, just do the boots on the ground and like really go hard manually after it at first. And there you yeah, go. Just, hang, first five just hang out at a bakery and listen for the guy that's like, I'll take a thousand ciabatta rolls. You're like, look, look, before you place this order, <laughs> have I got <laughs> tiny sandwiches for you? <laughs> right. All right. I got two. I got three more. LaCroix for sauces. So it's okay. like a, it, but it's like a sauce subscription. So you don't know what you're going to get, but every month you get random sauces that you can. I like that one. And I, the reason why I like that one is noticing trends is another really fascinating business strategy. And with the increasing immigration of people from Mexico into the U S 
the hot sauce market I was reading has never been better. It's like exploding. Everyone's creating hot sauces. So no what, what can we do to get on top of the trend, whether the trend is cryptocurrency or this or that, whatever it is. So I like that idea. <laughs> uh, a driveway rental service for van life. So you can rent out your Airbnb <laughs> for driveways. So you can rent out your driveway for people that have vans. Okay. This... How do you come up with these? Oh, Where I, don't, these I just like from? think of this like randomly. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. I think this is, this is the, this is the last one. Um, it's, and this is actually something that you could build. Uh, it live streams the founder in the bottom right corner of the website. So you can actually live video chat with the founder at any wow. time. So it's like drift, but I'm always on. So you just like click that button and then I'm, I'm in the zoom. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You get some absolute lunatics. It's like, you'd have to confront who's visiting your website and maybe you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Well, For the first like five to 10 people, it'd be really fascinating. And then after uh, 10, I'd be like, please get me away from this person who emails me all the especially time. Especially <laughs> the people that came from your only fans link, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, thanks so much. This has been super helpful. Um, what, what's like a parting sentence or two that you can give the people listening that are, you know, building their own product or growing their own product. Uh, how do you get to wh where you're at? A big part of it is time, man, which no one wants to hear, but like the perpetual momentum of consistency, I, I think compounds in such a way that people underestimate, especially in this social media driven landscape that we have. People look around and they're like, oh, this person's like on a yacht and I didn't even know them. So apparently they just became successful overnight, which is, is very rarely true. So the parting word to me is, is really consistently going forward. And that doesn't mean consistently going forward with your head down, ignoring all the noise, but consistently going forward and iterating, talking to customers, but really just every day, putting one foot in front of the other. And some of those days it works out pretty poorly and you fall down and mess up pretty bad. Other days, Hey, you make it a few steps. Nice job. <laughs> it's either that or buy Bitcoin in 2010. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's it. Those are your two options. Be consistent going forward <laughs> or buy Bitcoin in the past. Those are your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So invent a time machine as a product. Yeah, well, yeah, look, that's there. a small prerequisite. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs> Bye.